Oh, well, good morning, church. Man, it's good to be together today, and I'm so glad uh, that you're here. I want to say again, like I say every week, if it's your first time here, we are so glad you're here, and I hope that you will find what so many of us have found, that this is a place, this is a church, this is a family, a faith family. It's a place that you can call home, and we are so glad you're here. As we said before, if we haven't got a chance to meet you, please come out uh, to the lobby after we're done this morning, and I would love to meet you. Some of, several of our staff would love to meet you and, and get to know you better, but uh, we're, we're glad you're here. It's a, it's a, great, it's a great day. Um, I was thinking about this week, if you don't know, we've been, we've been working towards uh, this series, this idea of who is Jesus, and, and not so much what does the world say about Jesus, or even what we say about Jesus, but what does Jesus say about Jesus, and I was thinking about uh, this week as, as we kind of got ready for today's passage in John 11, which you just heard part of read, you know, how, how do we set this up, and so I thought the best way to set this up would be to tell you this, uh, this, this true story. Um, last fall, uh, my wife Alicia and I, we decided it was, it was finally time to take our kids to Disney World. Uh, now some of you have been there. You know how it's a magical place. Um, we've been saving for years for this trip. This was a big deal for us to get to do this. And we were also kind of waiting for that perfect age of our kids. We have three children. And we wanted to go like when, when Emma, our youngest, was, was um, old enough to remember it. And when Will, our oldest, was still uh, young enough to enjoy it and get the free kids meal plan, right? <laughs> Because, you know, when you turn 10 or 11, all of a sudden they consider you an adult. I don't know why. They can't drive. They can't pay for I don't know. Anyway, so that's, that's another story. Um, so we decided to go last fall. It was going to be incredible, magical, unbelievable. And as part of our prep for the trip, we thought, hey, let's watch some of the videos uh, like at Walt Disney World of some of, the, some of the rides and attractions and amazing things that you'll get to do. And what we figured out real quickly is that this, our kids are going to be terrified. Like, you know, there's so many, there's so many like uh, attractions and rides where you spin and drop and fall and twist and roller coasters that take you upside down. And I could tell pretty quickly our kids, the, the fear on their faces was like, we don't really know if we want to go to Disney World. It's going to be scary, you know? But we knew it would be fun, so we went ahead and went, and sure enough, we had a great time. We didn't do everything, as you might imagine. Some of, them, uh, some of the rides were just out of their league. But about midway through the trip, uh, Will and I really wanted to go to one of the water parks and, uh, and have some fun. The girls, they wanted to do some other things. So we said, okay, y'all do that. We'll go do this. And so Will, me and Will, we went over to uh, the water park and we thought we've got like two hours. Let's do as much as humanly possible in two hours. And there wasn't many people there, so we could do a lot of different things. So, you know, we, we go, we hit the wave pool and we're riding high in Typhoon Lagoon. We're, we're doing the water slides. We hit the lazy river and take us around to the other side, hop out. And we see this sign. Uh, on a ride, it says Shark Reef. I'm like, hey, let's go do that. I'm thinking it's another, you know, water slide or something crazy. It'll be fun. And we get in line and we, we get, get up to the, the counter. And some of you, you you've done this, so you know what's going to happen here. But we get the counter and the, the, the attendant there is handing out like uh, goggles and snorkels. And I'm like, what, what, is, what is this all about? And he's like, well, you get this and go get a life vest and you can go get in this uh, little pool area and swim with sharks. And I was like, whoa, it's going to be awesome. Will's like, I'm not, he like bailed out that line so fast. I'm like, come on, Will, we can do this. He's like, no, you can do this. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to willingly get into water with, with live sharks. And so the guy's like, just go over, go over to the, like the observation desk and, and you can, you can watch everybody doing it. It's really cool. It's, it's safe. It's amazing. And Will's still like, I don't, this is not going to happen. But we go and we look. And sure enough, people are they're just pushing off into the water and they're floating and they're, they're looking below them at all the sea.
sea life there. And this, this mom over here is next to us. And she's like, oh, you got to do it. It's awesome. It's amazing. You'll have fun. And Will's like, there is no way I'm going to do this. And we keep looking. And finally, well, I'll come back to that in a minute. Let me ask you this question first, though. What, what do you think about when you think about faith? All right. What do you think about when you think about faith? I think a lot of us, when we start to think about faith, we think about what we believe in. And so, you know, we believe in people and that people will be there for us and they'll come through for us. We believe in our team, that our team's going to win, except when they don't. We believe, um, you know, in, in that, that things are going to work out for us. And, and generally that's true and that serves us well, that, defin- that definition of faith and that idea of belief. And, and we believe in people, we believe in our teams, we believe in things. And, and then when for whatever reason people let us down or our team lets us down or, or, or life doesn't work out the way we thought it should... It really just makes it harder for us to have faith the next time or believe in them the next time or believe in that the next time. But, but our definition is all wound up in really what, what do we believe in? And for those of you like me who grew up in church, you had this definition of faith from Hebrews 11.1. You remember this passage? This was how we define faith. Now faith, and by the way, this word faith here, like, like the way we use it so often, is a noun. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. And for a lot of us, this was our definition, and this is our definition of faith. It's all about what we believe in. So, you know, I believe in God, so I have faith in God. I believe he exists. I believe in Jesus, so I have faith in Jesus. I believe he is who he says he was and did what he said he did. But our belief for a lot of us kind of it kind of ends there. And even for people that aren't Christians, this, this, is, this is true for them. You know, whether you're a Christian or not, your faith is just a matter of, of what you believe in, what you have faith in. It's just a matter of, of, of what you're, you're hoping for. But it kind of begins and ends there for a lot of us. And the problem with this, at least the way I understand it, is that this, this just this fails miserably And helping us understand what the Bible talks about when it talks about faith. Especially as John understands faith. So if you don't know, for the past few weeks we've been looking through the Gospel of John. And we've been looking at Jesus to tell us who he is. And the good news is that if you've ever struggled with your faith, you're not alone. If you've got a Bible or a Bible app, you can open up to John 11. We're going to be uh, reading part of that story today. And in John 11, there's this story of someone who, just like us, was in the middle of crisis. Someone who, like many of you today, was in a very real way, just in an honest way, struggling with their faith in Jesus. And I want you to see what happens in this story when someone began to doubt. So, so John 11, verse 1, let me set this up. This, this is a, a famous story. Many of you know the story, but let's, let's look at it again today. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. And this is the same Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Now, I, I love this because we catch a glimpse here of something we don't really catch anywhere else in all of Scripture. You catch a glimpse into the personal life of Jesus. Isn't this amazing? Jesus had friends. In fact, he said Lazarus was a dear friend. 
This is more than acquaintance. It's more than someone that he met, someone that, that he just cared about. This was someone that he deeply cared about. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, these were dear friends of Jesus. These were people he cared about like the people that you care about. They were in a small group. I don't know. But they, they had this life where they did life together, and they knew each other. And Martha and Mary, they, they considered Jesus such a good friend that they knew even though his fame was rising, even though people were trying to get to him and, and trying to experience his teaching and his healing and all the things that he could do, they knew that if they sent a message to Jesus, it would get to him. Like they could break through all the crowd and all the noise. They could send someone. And when, when that person said, hey, I've got a message from your friends, your dear friends, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, that Jesus would say, hey, hey, hey come here. What, what, tell me what's going on. What's going on with my friends? Verse 4. When Jesus heard about it, when he heard Lazarus was sick, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although, and hear this again, Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Get this. He stayed where he was for the next two days. And then finally he said to his disciples, all right, let's go back to Judea. These, these couple of verses, they have caused us, those of us who have read these verses, so much angst, Right? I mean, if Jesus has gotten word that one of his dear friends is sick, he's in the hospital, he's, he's on life support, where's the sense of urgency? Why is Jesus waiting? Why isn't he doing something? Why isn't he saying, come on, guys, we, we got we to gotta get, get there quick. Why, where, where's the sense of, of Jesus being, being anxious and, 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 and filled with urgency for his friend Lazarus to get there in time, to comfort Mary and Martha, to be there, to maybe do something about the situation and make Lazarus better? What? Why doesn't Jesus? It causes problems for us in the story from Mary and Martha and, and, and Lazarus. But I think for a lot of us, especially, especially those of us who, who, who are trying to follow Jesus, it's hard for us too. Because we've experienced this. We've cried out to God. We've prayed. We've sent word to Jesus. Hey, come. I'm in trouble. I need you. I'm desperate. And it seems like we're left waiting. Why? Verse 8. His disciples objected, Rabbi, means teacher. Only a few days ago, those same people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going to go there again? The disciples think, okay, the reason we're not going right now is because we were just there. And like four or five times in the story so far, if you've been tracking along in John 1 through 10, you'll see where different people are trying to either arrest Jesus, stone Jesus, kill Jesus, get rid of Jesus. So the disciples think, we're not going back because we want, we want to survive. Verse 11, then, then he said, Jesus said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now, now I will go and wake him up. Well, the disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get better soon. They thought Jesus meant that Lazarus was simply asleep, but Jesus meant that Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, look, boys, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, this is going to blow your mind. For your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. It's at this point that you can almost, if you can just picture this in your mind, Jesus and his disciples gathered around him. And he looks at him and he says, Lazarus has died. 
And they're thinking, first of all, how do you know this? I mean, we got the same message that he was sick. Was there another text that went out? Was there an email thread I get left off of? I mean, Jesus, how do you know that Lazarus went from sick to dead? How, how did you get that message? And then not only that, but if he's dead now, then why are we going now to see him? It's too, it's too late. Thomas, I love this, named the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Hey, let's go too, and we'll die with Jesus. I love this about Thomas. Thomas always gets the bad rap, right? Doubting Thomas, the one who after Jesus died on the cross, wasn't sure he really came back from the grave. And right here in this passage, though, he's the guy that says, I'm going to follow Jesus even to death. Like, I know we're going back to Judea, and we're going to go see Martha and Mary, and we're going we're gonna to comfort them and love on them and visit with them, and we're probably going to die in the process. That's okay. Let's go do that. Verse 17. But when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. And many of the people who had, had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. And when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here. You ever said this to Jesus? If only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. I wonder what Martha was thinking when she said that. I know God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said. He will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Martha believed like a lot of Pharisees, like a lot of religious leaders believed in the day, that, that one day at the end of time there would be resurrection, there would be new life. I don't know what she was thinking when she said, I know that God's going to give you whatever you ask, but... But she wasn't thinking what was about to happen. Jesus told her, Jesus told her, Martha, I love this. I am, I am, I am, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, even after dying, everyone who, Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? And right here we have maybe the most important question in all of Scripture. Do you believe this, Martha? What's she going to do? This is a crisis of faith for Martha. She had sent word to Jesus and he didn't come in time. He let her down. She's disappointed. She's probably angry. I'm sure she's sad. And Jesus comes four days too late. He says, Martha, do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Martha had faith. I mean, she believed that if Jesus got there in time, that he could heal her brother, but he didn't get there in time. I mean, now that he's dead, all hope is lost. If he would have gotten there sooner, there would have been hope. But now there's no hope. But, of course, you know that even, even when it seems like the story's come to an end, nothing's ever final for those who believe in Jesus. And so he says, Martha, do you believe this? And here's the thing I want you to know about John. I want to give you just one little, one little, one little side track here. In the Gospel of John, 
John never once uses the word faith as a noun. In fact, he kind of makes up his own word because in the original language, every time you read the word believe or faith in the gospel of John, it's, it's, it's a verb. And it didn't really exist, but he made it exist. And it's not so much that you believe in something, it's that you believe, you believe something, you believe to something. It's a whole different way. And so it wasn't so much, Martha, do you believe in me? Martha, do you have faith in me? It was more like, Martha, are you faithing me? I know it sounds weird. Martha, are you faithing me? Not just do you believe in me, but are you faithing me? 98 times in the Gospel of John, John uses the verb form of the word faith. And what he's getting after is not just do you believe in something, but do you believe to something? Or it's not just believing something intellectually. It's living into something that's true. Martha, are you faithing me in this moment? Not just do you believe that it's possible, but do you believe that the impossible can happen because you're going you're gonna to faith in me? It's the difference between, oh, what is it? It's the difference between believing something is possible and knowing that with Jesus anything is possible. It's the, it's the difference between standing on the observation deck and looking at people swimming in the water to, to diving in yourself and seeing what you've never seen before. It's the difference between staying in the boat and seeing Jesus walk in water and getting out and walking on water with him. It's the, it's the activity of faith. It's not just the idea of faith. It's the activity of faith that John is getting after, that Jesus is getting after for Martha. Faith is a noun, says Yeah, I can believe in something. I can believe in God. I can believe in Jesus. I have faith in Jesus. Faith is a verb. That's the activity of believing. I'm faithing Jesus. And right here in the middle of her crisis, and this is the same for all of us, by the way, right here in the middle of her crisis, she has a choice to make. Am I going to be faithing in Jesus or not? And I love, love, love Martha's response. Verse 27. Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed. Again, that's the verb. I have always, I have always been faithing. You are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Right here at this moment, Martha makes a decision and she declares what she believes is true. Yeah, Jesus I am faithing you right now for all it's worth. For all it's worth. And a few verses later, we see what happened. Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Father, Father, I thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man, can you believe this, came out. His hands and feet bound up in graves clothes. His face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. And the question I want to ask you today is how is your faith? Or maybe better, where is your faith? Is your faith in Jesus and are you faithing Jesus or is your faith in yourself and are you faithing yourself? You see the difference there? You see what I think is true for so many of us is that we come to moments like Martha came to right here 
And we even have like Christian ways of saying this. We say things like, like you know, pray like it's all up to God and work as, like it's all up to you. And I wonder what God thinks about that sentence. God's probably thinking, why don't you pray like it's all up to me and work like it's all up to me? Why don't you do that? Or better yet, why don't you pray like it's all up to me and just be still and watch, right? Are you faithing in Jesus or are you faithing in yourself? Here's, here's what I think happens a lot of times is, is, is we come to a situation, a crisis, or maybe just an everyday thing, and, and, and we pray about it to God, but then we, we, we go off and we use all of our resources to fix it. We use all of our energies, all of our time, all of our talents, all of our abilities to make whatever it is better. Like we prayed to God to do it, but then we just take it on ourselves to do it. And if it works out, we give him praise. And if he doesn't, we complain. I think it's interesting that any time throughout the story of the people of God, the, 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 the children of Israel, the Pharisees, so often, what made God, what made Jesus the most angry is when his, his people moved from believing to complaining. And I think Jesus is saying once again, I want you to be a believing people, right? How is your faith? Are you, are you faithing Jesus? Here's what I believe. I believe I believe we expect far too little from God. We expect far too little from, from Jesus. And, and if you're not sure about this, then just ask yourself this question. I, I love this question. I heard, I heard a, a guy in Atlanta by the name of Andy Stanley ask this question, and I've hung on to it for a long time because I think it's a great question, and it's simply this. What would you do if you believed the God of the Bible and the person of Jesus was with you? What would you do if you believed the God of the Bible in the person of Jesus was literally with you. You see, here's the deal. I, I think we have a choice to make. If, if your life, does your life look any different because of your faith in Jesus, because you're faithing Jesus? Or is the only difference in your life the fact that you show up at church on a Sunday, right? Like, what's different about you? What's true about you? What would you do if you literally believed the God of the Bible and the person of Jesus was actually with you? So many times it seems what happens is the only time that we turn to God and we start expecting big things from God is when we're at the end of our rope, when we're at the, when we're at the end of the line, when, when we have nowhere else to turn. We've done everything that we could do. We've exhausted all of our resources, all of our talent, all of our time, all of our ability. We're at the very bottom of the barrel. We're at the bottom of the pit. We've got nowhere else to turn. And so then we turn to God and we pray for God to help us. Uh, you know, and, and I wonder, Martha, standing there with Jesus, Jesus asking here, are, are you, do you believe in me? Do you believe this? Do, are you faithing me? Martha had a choice, didn't she? What if she had said, what if she had said, Lord, I would have believed if you'd got here sooner. I would have believed if my brother wouldn't have died. I would have believed if you would have showed up. I would have believed if you did what you did before and you would have performed one of those long distant miracles and healed my, healed my brother even though you were far away. I would have believed... But now I'm so disappointed in you. Now I'm so angry at you. Now I'm so frustrated. Now I'm so discouraged. Now I'm depressed. Now I'm covered in grief. I would have believed. How many times have we said the same thing? 
I would have believed. I really would have. I really would have. If you'd gotten here sooner. If you'd answered sooner. And I don't know what gave Martha, I don't know what gave her the courage. Maybe it's just the fact that she got to be in the presence of Jesus and look him in the face. And, and maybe for you today, if, if I, know, I know that there are people in the room who this is you, you're at the end of your rope. And maybe the best piece of advice I could give you today is, is do what Martha did. Get along with Jesus. Just get along with Jesus. Forget all the excuses. Forget all the distractions. Forget all the reasons. Just get along with Jesus. And look him in the eyes. And just spend time with him. Because my prayer is this, is that, is that you and I can make the same move Martha made. That, that, our, that when we say, yes, I believe, that we can make the move. Make the move from thinking about Jesus to living into faithing Jesus. That we, I know it's terrible grammar, but follow me. That we can make the move from thinking about to living into faithing Jesus. This is the move we have to make. I don't know what it is about us. We love thinking about Jesus. We love to open the Bible and study it and parse it out and figure out what every word means and decide what we can do and what we can't do because of this and because of that. But maybe, just maybe, we need to, to move from thinking about to living into. And I'm not saying that, that one isn't more important than the other, but I am saying that, that for a lot of us, it's this living into. It's this living into faith in Jesus that for whatever reason, maybe, I, I don't know, we don't have the courage. We're not brave enough. I don't know what it is. We don't have the same, the same confidence that Martha had in the moment, but, but I wish we could do what she did and move from thinking about to living into faithing Jesus. Make that move. Church, if you would, stand with me. I'll tell you, and if you come up and talk to him, he'll smile real big. I don't know how in the world it happened, but I convinced my son Will to go put on the goggles and the snorkel and the life vest and to get into that water with those sharks. It was crazy. The water is really cold because apparently sharks like cold water. I don't know. I guess they never had a hot shower. They don't know how good it feels. We pushed out into the water, and I literally lost, lost my breath, not because I was scared, but because it was like the, the shock of the cold water like got me. I was like, oh, I can't breathe. And we start floating out, and sure enough, you look down, and there's like hammerhead sharks, and I don't know what other kind of sharks. They're all dangerous and scary. And, and, and Will and I are floating along, and we're holding hands. And we get to the very end, and the stingray like flies up right in front of our faces. And we're like, whoa! And I guarantee you, Will, I love him. He would have never done that by himself. The only reason he got into the water that day is because his father got in there with him. And because of that, he was willing to wade into the unknown. And if I could give you one encouragement today, it's this. Whatever crisis you're in the middle of, whatever, whatever you're struggling with in your faith, your Father's with you. And he'll get into the water with you. And he'll wade into the unknown with you. And if you'll go with him wherever he's calling you to go, he'll go with you. And you'll never be alone. You see, this is what has to be true of us. As followers of Jesus, something has to be different in our lives today. 
And I want to ask you to wrestle with the question this week, what is different this week? What am I faithing God for? What am I believing in God for? What am I crying out to God for? If you believe the God of the Bible and the person of Jesus was with you, what would that do for you? Would that give you confidence to share your faith with a, someone that you work with? Would that give you confidence to, to talk to your neighbor down the street about Jesus? Would that give you, give you the confidence to, to, to do something you've never done before? To, I, I mean, I don't know. You just let your imagination run wild. Would that give you the courage to pray with your kids? Would that give you the courage to start a Bible study with some friends? Would that give you courage to go on a mission trip? Would that give you the courage to step out and to do something you've never done before? And you know the only way you can do it is because God is with you. Here's what I would love to be true of us, that we could tell stories. Like Martha was able to tell this story of something that happened. And the only way you can explain it is because God showed up. That's what faithing looks like. And oh, for us to be a church that doesn't just have faith, but we're faithing. It's different. I'm telling you, it's different. And I don't want you to think I have it all figured out. I'm very far from it. But I believe this is true. That if we could be faithing Jesus, not just having faith in him, everything could change. And so it's my prayer. It's my prayer that wherever you are and whatever you're struggling with, that you wouldn't just be believing in Jesus, but that you would would make a move to the activity of faith. That you would do something that you normally wouldn't do. And the only reason you're doing it is because you believe God is going to catch you. I guarantee you, he won't call you to walk on the water and let you drown. You can throw him a Hail Mary, he'll catch it every time. He's faithful. He's good. And if you'll move from believing in him to believing him, if you'll move from having faith in him to faithing him, we have the opportunity to experience looking below the waters and seeing things that we've never seen before because our Father is with us. And it only happens because of Jesus. Let's sing.